I have no control over what you think. You're listening to the Tigger Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Here's your host, Jeff Cassette. Oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. So young, so naive. But since my recent conversation with today's guest, I've become much, much wiser. And I think you might too. Because today's episode is all about the presentation of self in our new virtual life. The coronavirus outbreak is reshaping the way we work. Become a part of the way that we stay connected to family contagious virus. Over Like it or not, digital media, and especially video, has become the norm for all sorts of investor relations purposes. One-on-ones, roadshows, conferences, even investor days and site visits. But it turns out that virtual meetings aren't just in-person meetings on a screen. The communication tactics that work in-person don't always transfer to a Brady Bunch kind of quadrant situation on your laptop. The medium shapes the message hard, and the screen has its own rules. If you don't engage your audience physically or virtually, they're not going to be interested in what you say. Fortunately, our guest, Ben Choder, knows a thing or two about the rules of video. Over the last quarter century, he's been the driving force behind a slew of streaming technology businesses. He's also an accomplished radio and podcast host. When it comes to video conferencing, he's basically seen it all, and even shaped a lot of it. On this Ticker Podcast, Intrado Digital Media President Ben Choder on cultivating your virtual self in our new online reality. But first, your IR News Update. Nearly 9 out of 10 North American CFOs think U.S. equities are overvalued. A new Deloitte poll also finds about three-quarters of finance chiefs feel growing optimism about both their company's outlook and the economy. In the research, CFOs also commented on debt and equity financing. They see attractions for both, but ongoing low interest rates give debt a big edge. 92% say they find debt an attractive option. That compares to only 56% who say the same about equity financing. Boardroom diversity is on the rise. Over the last year, S&P 500 firms tripled the share of new directors who are black and more than doubled the share who are Latino. That's according to a study by executive search firm Spencer Stewart. White directors hold about 80% of board seats. More proof that investor relations is just the greatest thing. A new Pennsylvania State University study points to a direct link between IR engagement and the likelihood, cost, and contentiousness of investor activism. The more engagement, the better, of course. Of note for CEOs, the researchers found that when high IR firms do experience an activist campaign, they're less likely to see CEO turnover. Finally, the pandemic transformed the nature of investor events virtually overnight. But an IR magazine survey finds considerable uncertainty among IROs about the pace of a return to physical events. IR magazine's Tim Human is with us to tell us more. Thanks, Jeff. Good to speak to you. 
The report looks at both physical and virtual events, although, of course, for most companies, virtual has been the only option during the last year. About half of the IROs we polled said they don't know whether we will return to physical events this year or not, uh, which highlights the challenge of planning any kind of IR activity in the current environment. Notably, IROs at mega caps are the most confident about a return to physical meetings this year. Perhaps their additional resources make them more confident they could pull off an in-person event with all the safety measures that would have to come with that. One of the other findings I think is interesting from the report is we asked investors how companies should prioritize their spending in virtual events. Uh, The majority of the comments here from the buy side mentioned either focusing on content, such as reshaping presentations to benefit the virtual format, or investing in technology to improve the general virtual experience. So that gives companies a bit more info about what investors are looking for when they attend virtual events. And with that, I'll pass back to you, Jeff. IR Magazine's Tim Human. You'll find the full report online. I'm not a fan of video conferencing. Makes me uncomfortable. People can see me and where I live, both of which are, in my case, embarrassing. Plus, holding eye contact with a tiny gray lens basically puts me into a trance. Both appearing to be, and actually being, present and mindful and interested, never mind actually interesting, during a video conference are fundamental video art forms I have yet to master. Which is one reason why Ben Shorter graciously agreed to an old-timey telephone call. You know, I want to begin by throwing a little bit of a curveball. Uh, ben, if I may. I would love if you did, Jeff. Okay. Curveball. Okay. Well, it's not, I don't know if it's curveball exactly, but it's, um, I'm not married to this idea, but I have always thought, I've always sort of assumed at the back of my mind that I have no control over what you think. And even if, even if I did, it would be 0.1% and nothing particularly, um, significant. I've always thought, well, gosh, I, you know, I will decide what, what, what I think of other people and, and they're not going to control that. But can you disabuse me of that, that notion, which I've, which I've already been more or less disabused of? I love that topic. I think that's a misnomer, right? So I think when you, when you do a podcast, a broadcast, a marketing webcast, doesn't matter what you do, if you're doing something online and it is live and even on demand, people make the assumption that people have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of being able to do something online is you get to help people create an opinion from, from scratch. Because one of the beauties about doing video is I get to see the whites of your eyes. I get to see your hand movements. I get to see your posture. I get to see your inflection when I read something. How about this? 30 seconds of video is about a page, maybe a page and a half typewritten, right? And when I read something, I, I can't construe what you mean, you know, your inflection. Are you being sarcastic? Are you being serious? Unless you spell it out, you're not going to know. What the beauty of being, of doing video, you have the ability to look this virtual audience in the eye and they'll know by your inflection. They'll know by 
your tone, your voice? Does it go higher? Does it go lower? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? Are you trying to be funny? Are you being serious? Are you being empathetic? Are you being humble? All the different elements come out. And what I always love video is there are people who know you who are going to log on and they get you. But I have the ability every single time, the power of one, of converting one person to either you know, believing in what I'm saying or if I'm interviewing someone and there's two of us on screen, the ability to get you to see what I find interesting about that person and open your mind. I mean, it's why, like, you know, this is for IR Magazine. I am the hugest fan of, I think everyone should do their earnings calls as video calls for three major reasons. Reason one, I'm having a good quarter. I get to pound myself on the chest, look everyone in the eyes and go, listen, this is how we did it. And this is what we're going to do. Isn't it great? If I'm not having the best quarter, I get to look everyone in the eyes and you get to judge for yourself. Do you have confidence with this guy sitting on the other end of the other side of the camera? Is he going to fix it? Does he have the right vision and mission going forward? And the third is because IR is becoming more of a marketing place. I get to view and see the CEO, the CFO, the team that's at the helm of either whether I own a few shares, whether I'm an analyst, whether I'm the media who might grab a clip from this earnings video, much likely to call uh, to grab a clip from an earnings video than just from an earnings call or an earnings text. So video just opens up so many opportunities for everybody, for the audience, the guests, and even the person presenting, you know, so I, I love that. I, I, my but, goal but is Ben, I people are clearly reticent to, to do that, right? They don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think it's because they feel uncomfortable. They don't, they don't know the new rules of, of being on video. They're, they might be comfortable in front of a live audience of thousands, but on video, they might not be so comfortable. I think, I, I think you're totally right. Listen, I came from the world where, I feel comfortable speak more comfortable speaking in a boardroom to 20 people um, than I do getting on a stage with a thousand people. But I feel super comfortable getting on camera to potentially a million people or two people watching because it all depends on how you look at it. And, and, and here's, here's something that I think has changed. The chasm that is crossed because of COVID is all these super senior executives, all these CEOs, presidents, CFOs, IROs have now spent the last 14, 15 months staring at a webcam <laughs> from their home offices, their dungeons, wherever they, wherever they are working from. So the excuse pre-COVID was, hey, we don't, our CEO doesn't feel comfortable on video. Guess what? Your CEO has spent the last 15 months on video if he's not comfortable or she's not comfortable or they are not comfortable now, then something is wrong. This is how people want to digest their content. Um, it's easy to take a video and make it an audio. It's easy to take a video and make it text. It's not really easy to take text and make a video and you can't take an audio like this podcast and make it a video um, after it's already recorded. So guess what? You have to either jump on the bandwagon or you're going to be left behind going forward. I think we've gone four to five years 
in one year of where the trajectory of presenting to audiences and the importance of video for live on demand to be edited for small snackable content going forward. And if you don't do, you're really hurting your own brand and you're hurting your audience. And I actually think it's your job as a leader of an organization to be out there promoting who you are and what your organization does. I think it's part of my job, Rex, is I have to run the business. I have to make sure I've engaged and motivated my employees. I got to make sure customers are happy, but I am also a spokesperson for the organization. I am a face of the organization and I have to be out there and I need to learn what are some of the best practices? What are some of the do's and don'ts when you're staring at video because video lasts forever. So when you say something, there's no going back. You can't say they misconstrued me. You can't say they misunderstood me. (laughs) They can see and they can rewind the tape and play it over again. So CEOs are definitely, whether they like it or not, and IROs are stepping out in front. They are the brand now for the company more and more. Yeah, And, you know, I've looked at you on, on, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here, but I I've, I've looked at you um, online in interviews and, and doing your your um, your insights program. You have a totally comfortable presence online. I don't know how you do that. I would like to know. I guess you have to just feel comfortable with a few new rules and 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 feel that you can do it. But I mean, what is it? Just practice? It, it, no, I think it's. I don't think it's practice. I mean, I mean, actually, everything you do, practice helps, right? But. You have to, if you're going to be successful on video in an interview format uh, as the moderator or a host, you have to be inquisitive. You have to have a thirst to learn. I use every single opportunity as, you know, an opportunity to learn something. So if I was doing a video with you, I want to learn about you, Jeff. I want to learn about who you are. And I'm, I am really interested in learning about you. Even if it's a, you know, let's say in this case, you, the organization, IRA magazine might've said, Jeff, you're going to interview Ben, but so you're kind of forced upon me, but I'd still be interested in learning about Ben. And just like, I'm interested, even though you're asking the question this, I want to learn about Jeff. Why are you doing the podcast? Why do you like asking questions? Why do you like editing it? If you don't have a natural being, uh, being inquisitive, then one, you're probably not going to be successful asking interviews because if you really don't care and don't want to hear what the answer is, you can't fake it. Um, you know, it's like by some actors you go, Oh my God, I just saw, you know, I just saw Merritt Eastwood and she was phenomenal in it. Or you watch Tom Hanks in a movie as Mr. Um, Rogers, which I recently saw and you go, Oh my God, he's one of the greatest actors because he, became the part. So you know when you're watching someone who is not interested, just going through the motions. So, you know, people will see your passion. And passion doesn't mean you have to be super excited and flare your arms. Passion means like you're in- asking questions. And one of the keys is look interested. And what I mean by that, there's like, th- I have like four basic things about if you're doing a presentation, what you don't do, period, right? So one of them is don't remember your speaker support. If you have slides, is speaker support. No one wants to spend 30, 40, 50, even 20 minutes 
with you reading your slides. We're all adults. We can read the slides. Emphasize it's called speaker support for a reason. It is not your script. All right. That's one. Don't multitask while you're doing an interview. You're on camera. Now, it's one thing if I'm interviewing you, I look at my notes and it looks like, oh, there's something he wants to do or reading something from my notes. But if you're looking all around and you're not paying focus, remember, the audience is seeing you and so is the person you're interviewing and they know if you're not interested as well. And even if I'm doing a didactic presentation, which a lot of them are, make sure you look, the camera is the person in the front row. Um, every musician, every actor who's been on stage has always said, you can't look at the entire audience. It's impossible. Hmm. You pick someone in the audience and you present to them. Or if you're a singer, you sing to them. Well, guess what? If you're doing a presentation, look at the camera as if that's your audience and engage with that camera. And in some ways it should be so much easier because no one's making a face at you that I'm not interested in what you're saying. And you can't see if they're not laughing at your jokes and you can't see if they didn't understand the point you made. Um, and also remember the environment you're in. Um, when we do Zoom calls or WebExes, it's okay if, you know, if there's glare in the room and your background's all messy. Remember, when you're doing this for an audience, this is your stage. So make sure it's lit properly. Make sure the window, there's no glare. Make sure that you don't have empty, you know, Coke cans behind you or water bottles. Prep the environment just like when you go on stage at a physical conference, you know that there's it's set up for you. Um, and never, ever, ever forget about the audience and engage the audience. What I mean by that, if you have a chat and you're doing a live broadcast, make sure you look at chat and engage. Um, ask the audience questions. Say, hey, what do all of you think about this? Type it in for the Q&A box. Let me know offline. But remember, they're there. Don't just go from zero to the end without engaging with the audience. So those are my four don'ts, right? I, don't forget about your audience. Don't multitask. Don't read every line off your slide. No one wants to hear that. And don't be careless with your environment. Um, and again, one of my pet peeves is I don't want to see a bed in, in, in a shot if someone's doing a presentation. Um, I'd rather see a white wall than, than a bed, but that's just... That's just me. And um, again, always be paying attention. You Sometimes people forget that there's a camera on and they'll look down or they'll, you know, you know, fumble around. Just remember, they're looking at you every single step of the way. Um, at least at a, when you're doing a physical presentation, you can always turn around, look at the slides and there's people look at your back for a second. Or you could wander the stage when you're on camera you can't wander. Um, no matter how fidgety you get, fight it. Again, doesn't mean you can't use your hands. I mean, I use my hands more than most people use their hands. Um, but make sure it's, it's who you are. They're going to see the true you. Also, remember, don't wear really loud colors. Don't wear a lot of stripes. Remember what your audience is watching. And, you know, and what if you're nervous about speaking in front of a camera, just embrace the nerves. I want to see the vulnerable, you know, Jeff, I want to see you. It's one of the best parts about live video. It's okay to say, um, not don't say a thousand ums, but it's okay to be who you are. 
Let me see the real you. Let your guard down and embrace the moment and embrace the audience. Um, and it's such an incredible opportunity to reach an audience that's not just the 50 or 500 people physically in the room. You're reaching an audience. It's going to live on. There's ability to edit it and cut it and grab clips. Just embrace it. It's 2021. Video is only going to become more prevalent going forward. And people have had to had to jump in it to it. And 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 we're talking about appearance. I think I have the appearance down. I've got a good background. Um, I think I, I I know stuff about lighting. I think by now you know IROs kind of can figure that stuff out. But it's it's more the manner that I'm interested in. You know, how do I on screen? I will not stare at that camera. I will personally. I I don't think I appear sincere. I I appear contrived, even though I am locked in to whatever somebody is saying, whatever they're saying. But I mean, there are there are just sort of little. It seems little sort of um, little micro rules that that alter that uh, perception completely. Like staring into the camera, for yeah. instance. Yeah, and and when I when like staring in a camera doesn't mean like looking always looking deep in the camera. I, I'm not a big fan when someone like gets real close to the camera and is like, and I'm talking to you. No, it's just remember the area where your camera is, whether you're on a MacBook Pro or you're using a Logitech camera, where, wherever that area of the camera is. Just remember the audience is there. If you're looking to your far right, like you swivel in your chair and you're looking to your far right. The audience knows like you're not you've you've left me for a second hmm. and it's okay to look down it's okay to look up it's okay to look to size but make it it's it's about being your natural self and don't forget everyone to go uh, probably a lot of people would say just forget the audience is there you know i'm like no never ever ever forget that you have an audience that people have clicked a button and engage and what and what i mean by that is in a physical event, it's kind of like not being like your natural right. self. It really isn't. It's it's there are rules. You have right. to put on a front. You have to do a performance. Yep. It is. A sh- it's a show. Yeah. Well, listen, at a physical event, as a guest, as an attendee, you go into a room. If the presentation isn't so good, you might pull out your phone. You you text a little bit. Maybe send a note. If it's really really bad, you get up. You go get a cup of coffee, and you're you're off to the bar or you're off the network. Online. I am literally always one click away as an audience member of leaving. And you as a speaker, not to scare the presenter, understand that, that they took their time, they thousand different things they could be watching, calling, doing. And I'm not at the conference for three days. I am virtual. And I've clicked to watch your video and your content. So now you better, you better make it worthwhile to me. And again, that might sound really ominous and scary. No, it's just saying like, hey, I tuned in. Think about it. I clicked on Jeff's podcast because it sounded interesting. Not because someone's held a gun to mine and said, you're going to get four credits and watch Jeff's podcast or listen to Jeff's podcast. I paid my due by clicking on it or registering and attended. Just remember that. So the good news is, you know, everyone who logs on to a video is I'm really interested in it. Where when I'm at a conference and I go into a room, I might be interested, but I'm like, out oh, of the three possible sessions to watch today, yeah, I like yours the best, even though I'm not that interested, or my colleagues walking in there. When you're doing something on video, whether you're going to click on your video on YouTube or as a webcast, whatever, 
something about it made me log on and automatically you're interested. And then it also goes down to when I, when I present and when I do, when I do an interview to me, it's always been about the power of one. There might be a thousand people attending a physical event, but you need one person to either want to buy your product, maybe hire you, maybe buy your company. You don't need 990 others. So remember you're always presenting to one, one person who's really interested. And it could be thousands, but don't worry about the 990 others. Realize that whoever clicked in and registered and said, Jeff, Ben, I'm interested in this topic. Now tell me, and hopefully you give me the meat that I was hoping for from the program. And, you know, if you engage, and that goes back to the other thing, if you're doing it as a live video, don't forget that the audience polls are great. Let me press a button, ask me questions. If I'm writing things in a chat or Q&A, don't forget about the Q&A. And um, I also think when you're doing things for camera, unless I'm doing an earnings, and earnings is one thing. You got to go through every piece of information legally, what you have to say. That's one thing. If I'm doing it as a marketing piece or a marketing program, Remember, you don't always have to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, you don't have to go in order always. Move it around. See what your audience is interested in and, and break it up a little bit from just you speaking to taking a question to you speaking. But just, I mean, always present as if you're an audience member. Like, what would I want to see? What do I, what am I hoping from Ben? And the other thing that people have on video is sometimes they feel like they need to speak really fast because they're very worried that I'm going to lose the virtual audience because I don't see them. And I think video is one of the best to be able to sit there, take a deep breath, be conversational and enjoy the moment. And not, and not like you said, getting back to what you said, not really worrying about perfection. Um, I think some of the rules, the rules have changed. Uh, casting back about 18 months ago, there was that almost famous clip of, I guess he was somebody being interviewed on BBC, and his kid comes in the room, and he's pushing his kid by the face out of the way, and his wife is sort of like crawling out of the room on her hands and knees. And he thought at the time that that was, you know, appropriate, that that he didn't want you know, the show to show that he actually was living in his house and his wife and his kids were there. Um, and he came off looking not that great. Um, and now you see, you know, cats come in into the, the back of, of the, uh, the image and stuff and their dogs barking and you're living at home. And I, not to put too much of a point on it, but I think it, you could argue that the video um, environment does not have to be even as professional necessarily as an, an, well, an in-person environment. How about, how about this, Jeff? I, I'll do two of my favorite parts about what nothing's great about. Well, three of the best parts about COVID is nothing's great. One is you have to spend a lot of time with your family, but two is, like I said, everyone got used to being on video, but three is we love to see who you really are. We're pre COVID. If you decided to work from home and you're normally in an office, and you were going to be on any kind of video and you were going to do it, you would make it look as you were 100% not in your home. And it was like, oh my God, the guy's doing this from home. That makes no sense. Now everyone's doing it at home. It makes everyone a little bit more human, which is like, to me, one of the best parts is when a kid runs into the scene, 
Hey, it's natural when we're at home. And when your cat runs across the screen or your dog, it's okay. Or if you hear barking in the background, no one is looking at you going, oh, my God, that's so unprofessional. It is the reality of where we are and what's going on in the world. So I actually, I love it. I always say to everyone, I my favorite thing is when it's non-presentational, when it's like a call and you have a lot of people on the video, I love seeing people's backgrounds. I like to see the humanness. I also think, you know, just in general, what video has enabled us to do pre-COVID, you would hop on a video, whether it was a webcast or whether it was a, a, a video conference, and you'd get right to the point. What everyone starts off now is how you're doing, how you're dealing, and it, there's a, it's made it more human. And again, when you remember when you're doing video, make it human. Look, for, the, for 14 months or 12 months, Jimmy Fallon, all the late night shows, all the daytime talk shows, they all did it from their homes. And we were all okay with that. Yet they still were engaging, they still were entertaining, and they still involved the audience. And the same is now. I mean, but as we go back to the office setting, are we going to lose that? And we might, you know, the jury's still out. But I think the one thing we've got out of it is just remember whether you're doing from the office, the conference room, or the stage, if you don't engage your audience physically or virtually, they're not going to be interested in what you say. I love looking at people's houses, especially like their kitchens. There seems to be, and, and I, I say this seriously, there, there's something about uh, that I don't know about pineapples because there seem to be pineapples on everyone's uh, bookshelf behind them, which might be an international cabal of, I don't know, pineapple aficionados or something about desktop and yeah. tabletop wear or something. <laughs> so I feel like I know the answer to that one, Jeff, because I was in Charleston and on front of a lot of the old Charleston houses, there's a pineapple, you know, like a bronze pineapple. And I, when I was there, I actually asked, and they said, it is good wealth, it is good luck and welcoming. Pineapple symbolizes something like sweet and welcoming and nice, and that's why pineapples are real. But I am, I mean, you could ask any of my, there's 1,500 people in my organization. I am notorious when I'm on video calls with them, looking at people's background and asking Hey, what's that picture? What is that? Because I love that. It's just the most real it's been as opposed to, oh, Bob's at his desk, Steve's at his desk, or this customer's in their conference room. Actually, it is weird for the last like five or six months. I only go in the office every now and then, and most of my time I'm at home. Huh. When I do see someone in a conference room or in an office setting, I, lights go off in my head, and I'm like, you're in the office. What's that like? You know, yeah. I don't remember what it's like doing a video call from an office. Why are you there? Or, or what's, uh, what's worse to me, and I've, I've done this a couple of times, it's almost a psychedelic experience. Some, sometimes it's, uh, yeah. I guess the technology isn't quite there, but you, you put in a fake background and you're sort of like yeah. swimming through it. You appear to be this disembodied creature swimming through it. I, I find that distracting. I, I don't know. It's a pet peeve of mine too. I'm not a big fan of virtual backgrounds. I'm also big on internal calls. If people, what are you hiding? I don't care if there's laundry behind you, right? I, I want to see it. Um, and especially when someone's doing a presentation, if I log on to someone's webcast and you have that, that, that Zoom background that looks like someone's yeah. living room or one of those, it's like, come on, sh I, put a step and repeat behind you. Put a company logo. Just sh have a picture, but make it real. I mean, I don't want to watch a cartoon. And you're right. I hate when 
you, if you don't light green screen perfectly, it will give like a halo around your whole body, like, you know, like the shimmer about you. And, and to me, that takes my focus off of what you're saying and what your images are you might be showing. And it makes me focus on, boy, that's really weird <laughs> that he has yeah. a halo over his whole body. And you know what bugs me? This is getting more into the technical side of thing. But, but I think like videos, the, the sound is so important. It is almost more important, the quality of the sound. Right, it's it kind of puts you off. It's uh, it's a real limiting factor. So I think that's, uh, that's something that people don't consider a lot. And as a podcaster, I'm for a big fan $10. of dollars. Pardon me? Oh yeah, for ten. Well, for ten dollars, Jeff, to fifty dollars, you can get a blue microphone. You can get one of those, you know, balls. You can get uh, even your headset that came with your iPhone is better than not really worrying about your sound. It's sort of like, you know, when you and I are old enough to remember when you're on a conference call and some of them sounded really tinny, you're like, oh my God, I can't be on a conference call like this for 45 minutes. If you're yeah. tinny, it's the same thing. If you have an echo or your audio goes in and out, it's not clear. If you're going to do this, if you're going to do a live presentation and you're going to present to an audience and you're going to do marketing webcasts or even IR webcasts, Go out and spend twenty-five to fifty dollars and buy a decent USB microphone that you can plug into any device you have, and it will just make your voice sound richer and cleaner, and it will also cut out out, out all that background noise. Ben, are you familiar with a book, "The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life"? I I am, and I read it like a while ago, so I'm. I okay. don't remember everything in it. Me neither. I, I, I don't remember it, but I, back in the mists of time, I took a social psychology course, and that was the, the textbook. Yep. And my recollection yep. of it was basically that, you know, he sort of equated social interactions with, uh, with performances, and he used sort of theater terminology. And I, I could be mis misspeaking, but I, m my recollection is basically all social actions, interactions, are, are pivot around not being embarrassed. Uh, you don't want to embarrass yourself and you don't want to embarrass um, the people that you're socially interacting with. So to avoid that, you assume a role. And um, that's about as far as I go on that. Uh, the book actually didn't, I didn't find it that insightful, but, but, but I know that there's, it's, there are new rules now. No one has wrote the new book, but there's got to be a, the presentation of self in, in, in the virtual world. Um, new rules and, and, and new insights, presumably. There is. There is? Yeah, I think it is. There is. You, you need to be your true self, um, and you need to let people see who you are, and you're not a robot. It's interesting. I did an interview for my insight series with a woman named Liz, Leslie M., who wrote a book, Swagger, Un Unleash Everything You Are and Become Everything You Want. And the whole concept behind it is just be your badass self. Be true to who you are. Don't try to be when you're on camera. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but she didn't say on camera, but in the book, be who you are, not who they want you to be. And what I'm saying is when you're on camera, be who you are with the message you want to get, not the message and who you think they want you to be, because they'll be able to see right through it. And it's an opportunity for you to really shine and grow. And you're not stuck on just a stage where you only have, you're behind a podium 
or you maybe you have a lavalier mic and you can walk around, but you're limited and you the audience has lots of other things going on. Use this as your opportunity to be your badass self, right? Your your who you are and really you know, get the audience excited about this topic you're talking about, because hopefully if you're talking about it on video, you're excited about it. And just like you said, you were interested in doing interviews. You like to ask questions. You're excited about it. It comes through just in this conversation with you. I could tell you're interested about it and you didn't come through, didn't start off this interview with me going, I'm just going to go these five things. This is where the conversation, the direction has to go. We're having a conversation. I'm interested in this. You seem to be interested in it. Chances are the audience will be interested in it. Well, I, 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 my personal stake in it is I want to appear sincere and not contrived. Yep. And, and from what I'm hearing yep. from you is there really aren't, I mean, there are, there are sort of, there's kind of an infrastructure behind you, a technical infrastructure, but to appear sincere, you have to actually be sincere because <laughs> otherwise, at least on yep. video, people will pick up on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like that in, in, in everything, you know, people, they always said people buy from people they like, right. Um, you vote for a candidate because you believe in what they're saying, but you also like what they're how they're saying it and who they are. Um, and it's the same thing in business. And, you know, this is IRO magazine. It's the same thing. If you're an IRO or you're the CEO or you're the CFO and you're presenting, they want you to be factual the information has to be spot on, but at the same point, I want to know, do I have the confidence in you as leaders? Here's your opportunity to show who you are. And most of the people or a lot of people can get to the situation of bringing a company public or becoming the CEO or CFO of a publicly traded company. You have some credibility and the audience listening and watching wants to just see that. And so don't shy away from who you are and what got you there and make sure the person you are, let that come through. And, you know, it's not about pretending who you think they want you to be, right. because we're all going to be able to read through that. How much, you, so how, much how, how, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I was uh, wondering how much of your time now do you spend on these old timey telephone calls like we're doing now, virtual versus, you know, Zoom meetings and so on? Jeff, can I, can I tell you something? When I looked at my Outlook um, invite and I saw the dial-in number, I scrolled down to say, All right, where's the web link? Where's the video link? Where is there? There's no link. I would say even when I'm getting interviewed by magazines or for media um, and it's for print, they're doing it on a WebEx or a Zoom or some other app, you know, online app. And this might be, outside of me calling a friend, a colleague, or a business associate, this might be the first time I've done an interview on a call in over a year. And that's your Ticker Podcast. My thanks to Intrado Digital Media President Ben Choder. And thank you for listening. Sincerely, in Montreal, not that it really matters, I'm Jeff Cassata.